0: School bells ringing, and wisdom is calling us back to class. Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. we got a lot of ground to cover today, so let's pray and get started. Heavenly Father, would you make your word a blessing to all who hear it, and then give us the wisdom that we need to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's our study of Proverbs 11 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now, friends, we come back here to the 11th chapter of Proverbs And as we do, we are seeing that the young man that started out in life, that he was directed to his parents, then he moved out in life, and then he was told, made very clear, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then he got a great deal of advice on the outside for those teenage period. Now we come here in chapter 11 and wisdom, who is Christ, The school has started, and wisdom now is the teacher. And we saw last time that she hadn't even go out in the highways and byways to get her pupils, but she got them, and now they're in class. And she's teaching by proverbs. And these proverbs are generally proverbs that you have, as we saw at the very beginning of this study, that there are several different kinds of proverbs and that most of these are proverbs that are taught by parallelism. That's the way Hebrew poetry is attained, and an item is repeated, or the contrast is repeated. And so we have synonymous parallelism and antithetic or contrast parallelism, and then synthetic parallelism, where the second clause develops the thought of the first. And you have all of that through this section here. I call your attention to this again. And Proverbs, as we've seen, are short sentences drawn from long experience. Now, the young man's actually given a good business course here. He's told here at the very beginning that a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. He's to be honest. He's to be honest in his business. He is to be a man of integrity And it's wonderful today to find men like that. And I'm thankful that there's so many of these wonderful Christian businessmen. I met a man down in Florida. He's from Chicago. I played golf with him. He always comes to the conference down at Bible Town in Boca Raton that I speak at. And he and I have gotten very well acquainted. He's an insurance man. Well, I didn't know much about him you know, and his business. And then a man that knew a great deal about him told me that that man was known far and near for his honesty and integrity. And he's a successful businessman. Wonderful to find men like that, especially in this world in which we live. And then the other all-besetting sin is pride and immediately The young man here in his freshman course, he's told, "...when pride cometh, then cometh shame, and with the lowly is wisdom." Again, by contrast, you see, that which is pride and that which is humility. And always with pride there cometh shame. There'll be a great deal in Scripture about that and a great deal in Proverbs. Then in verse 3, we're told in chapter 11, Proverbs, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the treacherous shall destroy them. It's a very wonderful statement, by the way, and it just simply means this, that if a person wants to walk in the truth, if that's the desire of your heart, the Spirit of God can be counted upon for guidance and direction. I talked to a young man that has very much the same problem that I had when I went to school, which, of course, was finances. And he says, how do you tell the will of God? Which way should I go? Well, I said, I had that same problem. And I said, it always, for me, narrowed down to just this one way, which became very simple. It was the way that opened up that I could go. I said, if a door was closed, it was closed. And if I didn't have the money to go to school, I didn't have it. But the Lord always would just open up one door and let me go in. Again and again, that happened. And I always interpreted that. And I said, I believe if you mean business with God, he'll open up the door. And I said, at least that's my experience. And I testify to it. Now, verse 4 here, Wretched profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Does that remind you of the parable our Lord told about rich men and the beggar, Lazarus, and both of them died? Well, the riches of the rich man didn't seem to avail him anything in the day of wrath. And the righteousness delivered this beggar, took him right to Abraham's bosom. Those that trust riches certainly have their priorities upside down. There's nothing wrong in wealth, but we need to Recognize it has limitations. It'll buy most anything in this world, but it buys nothing in the next world. Now we have here, verse 5, "...the righteousness of the perfect shall make straight his way, but the lawless shall fall by his own lawlessness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. And when a wicked man dieth..." His expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perish. And then verse 8, The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. Now, these are tremendous verses that we have here that actually I'm beginning now to call attention to the thing we mentioned at the beginning, that there's a proverb for every character in the Bible And there's one for every character you and I know, and there's one for us. Now when a lawless man dieth, his expectation shall perish. The hope of the unjust man perisheth. Well, does that remind you of Haman in the book of Esther? Certainly it was true of him. And then in verse 9 here, we have a hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the righteous be delivered. Now, the hypocrite, and that's a very interesting word. The word comes from two Greek words. Crino means to answer. Hupo means to answer back. And the hypocrite is one who answers back. And it was used for actors in Greek plays. You see, one actor gives a cue to the other one, and when the cue is given, he knows it's time for him to say his little piece, so he says it. It's play-acting, as it were. Now, a hypocrite, especially in religious matter, has just one thought in mind, and that is, of course, to cover up his own life of sin and the phoniness of it. He's the one that will say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now, I have a letter this party gets after me for saying that people who say hallelujah, that's wrong. Well, again, you misunderstood me. I said that there are folk that use the expression praise the Lord and hallelujah. They're being hypocritical. It covers up their life, which is a phony life. and they're just playing a part. Now, it can be said in a genuine, wonderful way. And fact of the matter is, I love to hear it myself coming from a genuine, born again child of God. And when you hear it from a person like that, well, it's wonderful to hear it. But there's a lot that's phoned, and that's the thing that we were talking about, that it's used to cover up the fact of the matter that they're not genuine. Now, the hypocrite, therefore, will destroy you, and he's the well, that's not your friend. Who do you think of in the Bible in this connection? You remember Potiphar's wife and the way that she maligned Joseph, brought false charges against him? Why? Cover up her own sin, that she was the guilty party. And of course, who's going to believe a slave over against the wife of an official of Pharaoh? Well, you know, Joseph just will not open his mouth. He doesn't have a chance. And unfortunately, that sometimes in the church, a hypocrite will protect himself, will say terrible things. I've always been afraid of the man who is nice to his preacher, to his face, but criticizes him to his back. I've always felt, since I've been a minister, the man that does that, you better watch out. He's covering up something in his own life. And time has, to me, always demonstrated that that was a correct estimation. And that's what the proverb is saying here. Now, verse 10, when it goeth well with the righteous, a city rejoiceth; And when the lawless perish, there is shouting. Well, I'll put David and Saul by the side of that proverb, because I tell you, when David was king, Jerusalem became a great city. But this man saw when he died why there was not much mourning for him. And then verse 12, He that is void of heart despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. You remember this man again. David, to me, is an example of many of these proverbs. And did you ever stop to think of it? David's life had a tremendous effect on Solomon though his own mother was the one that David had committed to sin at the beginning and the one blot in his life. Yet David's life otherwise was a wonderful life. And here, you remember when David went out of the city when his son Absalom rebelled against him and Shimei of the family of Saul cursed him. Old Joab, his captain, wanted to go over and run a spear through him. David says, Oh no, says he's speaking out of his heart, and this is God's judgment on me. Just let him alone. And David kept quiet. The amazing thing is, I think there are many times when you find folk cursing you actually, finding people maligning your character. Just keep quiet. Lord will take care of it. The Lord took care of this situation also. Marvelous proverbs these are, and these are wonderful principles. You see, to give to young men our young people, I would say that this movement that we have among young people, and there's a real spiritual movement going on, I'd like to see them begin studying the book of Proverbs. It said, bring them to Christ because he's the one that runs the school of wisdom, and he's made unto us wisdom, and it would give them a lot of common sense. And we are short on common sense. We've got a lot of high cues and a lot of low Common sense. Now, we have here, verse 13, "...a tale-bearer goeth about revealing secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter." Now, a tale-bearer is one who's telling something to hurt someone, of course. And sometimes what he's saying is true, but he ought not to say it to others. If he knows that a brother of his is sinned, he ought to go to him personally. And deal with him about it. If he's going to tell anybody about it, tell the individual. And not attempt to run around and tell everybody else about it. And that is a marvelous thing. Now, will you notice verse 14? Where no management is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And where no counsel is, or no management, is a better translation. You see doesn't make any difference how smart you are. You need good advice. You need to have good advice. Remember that Daniel was an advisor to Nebuchadnezzar. He helped him a great deal. He was an advisor to Cyrus, and he was a great help to him. Now he says, verse fifteen: He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. Well. He'll smart for it, and he will get smart if he does it. He'll find out that he actually made a big mistake. And the very interesting thing here is that this teaches a great truth. There was one who was surety for a stranger. And you know who that was? Well, listen to Paul. Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. He assumed your debt of sin and mine, and he paid an awful penalty. And in Psalm 69, 4, the psalmist in prophecy speaks of him, I restored that which I took not away. He paid our debt. And in Isaiah 53, 7, it says, here's a new translation. It was exacted, and he became Answerable When the wages of sin is death and it meant I'd have to pay it, he paid it for me. What a wonderful thing that is. He bore on the tree the sentence for me, and now both the surety and sinner are free. He took my place. Now we have here in verse 16, "...a gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches." Now, the woman is the weaker vessel. Who does this remind you of? Well, it reminds me of Ruth in the book of Ruth. She was a widow, she was poor, and she was a woman. (laughs) And yet she retained her honor. Boaz could say, my people, that is, the whole town of Bethlehem, knows that you're a virtuous woman. And that means not only did she maintain her honor in a way that delivered her from any." Adultery, but in every way. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong man retain riches. That is Boaz in his day. These are great proverbs. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but the cruel troubleth his own flesh. And then let me just move down here to verse 18. We have here quite a section. It says, The lawless worketh a deceitful work. But to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil tendeth to his own death. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to Jehovah, but such as are upright in the way are his delight. Though hand join in hand, the evil doer shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Now, we're making quite a contrast here between sin and righteousness and that which is deceit and lawlessness. These things are going to be judged. There's no escape. That's the thing that's very clear here. And the righteousness that we have is the righteousness of Christ. And if we have that, we'll not come into judgment, pass from death to life. And here's a marvelous one. Verse 22, is a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman that is without discretion. Have you ever seen any pigs walking around with gold rings in their snouts? Well, there are a lot of them out here in Hollywood, friends. Beautiful women with no discretion. Verse 23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the lawless is wrath. And the only way to have peace and joy is being rightly related to Christ. Now he says, there is that scattereth, and yet increaseth, And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. This is a paradox, by the way. And Bunyan put it like this. "...a man there was, though some did count him mad. The more he cast away, the more he had. He that bestows his goods upon the poor shall have as much again and ten times more." It reveals the fact that the Lord says, "...if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly." And this, I think, has to do with giving to the Lord's work. And I think that that's as far as we can go today. These are rich here, you see. This young man is in his freshman year.
0: Dr. McGee has more encouragement to take into our day. But first, if you'd like to spend a little more time in this section of Proverbs, these messages are available at ttb.org forward slash Proverbs. Or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can answer your questions about this fruitful ministry. Now here again is Dr. McGee.
1: After wisdom opens her school and the young man matriculates, there is a change in the content of the Proverbs, beginning at, I think, Proverbs 10. Great principles are back of the teaching that is given. I think this is something we not want to miss. We see that wisdom and righteousness are made synonymous, and the fool and the wicked are identical. In other words, wisdom and the fool are in contrast and conflict. And the same is true of righteousness and the wicked. Now, wisdom is the teacher. And for the believer today in Christ, Christ is our teacher, and he is wisdom. And he's been made unto us wisdom, and he's been made unto us, as we've seen, righteousness. And that is the righteousness that he offers through faith in his redemptive work upon the cross. Now, Solomon touches here every area of a person's life. He puts down great principles that should guide the young man and the old man, too, for that matter. The young man, after he leaves his parents' home, he'll enter the business world. He'll be put out in this big, mad, bad world in which we live today. Now, what are some of the principles that are to guide him? Well, we've seen those. Honesty and integrity are absent from modern teaching since we departed from the basic background of our legal and social life, the Word of God. For years, the Word of God was the background for the law of this land and for social customs and for moral standards. Now, morality is taboo today, so we're developing a voodoo mentality. And computers and electronic gear, these are the subjects that you'll be studying today in the world, how to invent a system to keep the crook from getting to us is the theme song of many a seminar today. Nobody is being told that it's wrong to be dishonest. Nobody seems to spend time to talk about what we should do with the criminal other than that we got the jails full and what are we going to do with them now. Well, no one is being told that it is wrong to steal and that the thief should be punished. The young are not told The difference between right and wrong. Discipline and punishment have gone out of style. Our schools and neighborhoods and homes have become a shambles today. Lawlessness reigns. Since God no longer furnishes the guidelines for life, the race of mankind is adrift on the sea of humanism without chart and without compass. Truth is another commodity that we are just a bit short on today. There is a verse here in the 11th chapter of the book of Proverbs, and I think I ought to pass that on, although we've been over it, but we went over it rather hurriedly. And that verse reads like this. It says here, "...by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted." But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now, truth is another commodity that's in short supply today. Solomon makes several pungent statements about it, and this is one of them. The news media, with their liberal bias today toward religion and government, and truth is twisted and distorted and actually made to mean the very opposite. And humanism today that teaches that man is an animal, that's evolution, that man came up from the lower order. And that's the reason many are acting like animals today and that he's to exalt himself. And, of course, that leads to pride. You should let God exalt him. And this has led to a very skeptical period in which we're living today. I'd like very much to quote Will Durant. This man and his wife wrote I don't know how many volumes of the history of civilization, and here's what he wrote later. Is it possible that history teaches us nothing and that the immense past was only the weary rehearsal of mistakes the future is destined to make on a larger scale? At times we feel so. And a multitude of doubts assails us. Our knowledge of the past is always incomplete, probably inaccurate, beclouded by ambivalent evidence and biased historians and perhaps distorted by our own prejudices and religious partisanship. Most history is guessing the rest is prejudice. I say that, my friend, is a very pessimistic view. The book of Proverbs doesn't look at life like that. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus.
0: Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?